Welcome to Torah Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Elisheva Kamenetsky, and today we will be studying Parshat Vayelach. We are winding down. This is the third to last Parsha in Moshe's farewell address in Sefer Devarim. And as we will see, we have an indication from the Parsha as to the exact date that these words were said. This Parsha was said on the last day of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. This parsha has only 30 psukim, the shortest parsha in all of Torah. It's actually as short as a single chapter in any other parsha. And there are only two mitzvot that appear in this parsha, the last two mitzvot of the Torah, numbers 612 and 613. Let's look at the opening words of the parsha. Vayelach Moshe, Vaydaberet Hadvarim Ha'ela El Kol Yisrael. Moshe is continuing to speak the speech that he began at the beginning of the Sefer. Why is it necessary to say Vayelach Moshe? Moshe went and spoke. Where did he go? The Ibn Ezra suggests that Moshe went to each tribe to inform them that he was about to die and to tell them that they should not fear. He gave them strength and encouragement that his successor, Yehoshua, Joshua, would care for them. And he tells them, be strong and good, because Joshua will be the one to lead you into the land of Israel, as he will not be allowed, Moshe Rabbeinu will not be allowed to accompany them into the land. The Pasa continues and says, I am 120 years as of today, indicating that it was his birthday. It's from here that we learn that Moshe Rabbeinu, like other tzaddikim, was both born and died on the very same day, which we know to be Zion Adar, the seventh day of the Jewish month of Adar. This is also the source for which we wish people that they should have a long life, live until 120, as Moshe Rabbeinu did. Hashem continues to say, that ha- Moshe continues to tell B'nai Israel that Hashem will go with you into the land of Israel and he will watch over you and take care of you as he has taken care of you through all of these years. Chizku ve'imtsu, be strong and resolute. Don't be scared, he tells his people. Ki Hashem hu imach. He is the one, God is the one who will be going and accompanying you into the land of Israel. After Moshe Rabbeinu gives this encouragement to the people, we are presented with the last two mitzvot in the Torah. The second to last mitzvah is a bit un- unexpected as a concluding mitzvah. It is the mitzvah of Hakel. When does Hakel take place? The mitzvah of Hakel is, takes place at the end of the seven-year cycle of Shemitah. At the end of seven years, the farmers are commanded to leave their earth fallow, to not work the land, and to give the land rest, reminiscent of the seven-day week cycle that we have, with the seventh day being a Shabbat, a day of rest. At the end of those seven years, Vayitzav Moshe Otam Lemar Miket Sheva Shanim B'moed Shnat Hashmitah B'chag HaSukot On the holiday of Sukkot, at the conclusion of the seventh year, we have the mitzvah of Hakel. What happened at Hakel? Bevoo kol Yisrael lerot et pnei Hashem lokecha b'makom asher yivchar tikra et haTorah hazot neged kol Yisrael ba'aznehem. Hakel, all of bnei Yisrael gathered together like a kihila, one big congregation, and when they gathered together at the Temple Mount, 
The, the king will be situated on a specially constructed platform in the temple's courtyard, and he, was, he would read from the Torah scroll that Moshe himself had written. He recited a blessing, and then he read aloud several portions from the book of Deuteronomy from Sefer Devarim, and then he concluded with some more blessings. What was the symbolism of the reading of the Torah at the end of the Shemitah year? Well, the farmers were all about to return back to their fields, and they might have a tremendous sense of their own power and their own success in plowing and planting the fields and in reaping the produce. And by reading from the Torah, as the farmers were entering back into the workforce, they are reminded that everything that they do during their work, everything that they produce, is not kochiva otsem yadi, as we mentioned previously in Parshat Ekev, but rather everything really comes from Hashem. Who gathered at the Hakel experience? The Pasuk tells us that Hakel was for everyone. Hakel ta'am ha'anashim v'anashim v'ata Gather all the people, the men, women, children, and the converts to your community so that they can hear and learn to revere Hashem and to observe every word of his teaching in the Torah. It was the only event that required the attendance of every Jew, reminiscent of the historic moment when our nation stood at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, when every member of our nation was present and God lovingly gave us the Torah. Maimonides, in the laws of Chagiga, points out that everyone gathered, even the converts who might not have the benefit of a Jewish education, maybe didn't even understand the Hebrew language, and yet they were required to attend and listen to this reading of the Torah to prepare themselves and to, to apply their ears to listen with awe, reverence, and joyful trepidation, just as the day that the Torah was given at Har Sinai. Additionally, even great scholars who were well-versed in the entire Torah and who could probably teach Torah well to others, they were obligated to listen with great focus and concentration when everybody gathered on that Sukkot every seven years after the Shemitah year. Why would we have people who can't even understand what's being said who have difficulty with the language, who can't, 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 can't comprehend what is being taught at that time. Young children who don't have developed enough minds are not sophisticated enough to really understand what's being said. And why would we be wasting the time of the great Torah scholars who already know what's being said? The Torah itself gives us the answer. What was the purpose of this gathering what was the purpose of everybody coming together in the mitzvah of Hakel? The purpose was that they will hear Yishmu v'lamdu li'ira et Hashem lokechem. That they will gain from the experience a sense of awe and reverence for God. And that will stay with them all of their lives. I'd like to share a few observations about this mitzvah of Hakel. Number one. The mitzvah of hakel, even in the way it's termed, is different than other times when B'nai Israel are commanded to go up to the Har Habayit, to the Temple Mount. For instance, B'nai Israel are commanded to go in the time of the Beit HaMikdash of the Holy Temple to bring karbanot throughout the year, but certainly three times a year. 
for the main holidays of Sukkot, Pesach, and Shavuot. But when Bnei Yisrael would go, each man would go for himself. There was no commandment for the entire nation to gather at one time. Here, the commandment is hakel, a command to gather. Not that you will be gathered, but everybody has to be active in the gathering together of all of Bnei Yisrael. Everybody had to look out for the other person. Everybody had to make sure that each person was going and heading in that direction. It wasn't just that everybody happened to land in the same place. Like we sometimes have when a large group perhaps is stuck in a traffic jam, or you have a large number of people exiting a stadium at a certain point in time. In those examples of the traffic jam or everybody exiting a stadium, there's no sense of unity or achdot at that time. Everybody happens to be in the same place, but everybody is focused on getting to a different location, has a different purpose, and sense of mission as to why they are there at that time. Here with Hakel, people were gathering together for a focused mission and sense of purpose. And everybody who was going to the Hakel, to the gathering of all Yisrael, cared to share that mission with other people. They looked for people to join in unity. They looked for people to join together. They recognized that the mitzvah would be incomplete if it didn't include other members of B'nai Yisrael. This concept of going up to the Beit HaMikdash, going up to bring Karbanot to Hashem with a great sense of unity, with everybody gathered together, reminds me of the story of Elkanah, who we read about at this time of year in the Haftorah for the first day of Rosh Hashanah. The story can be found in the first chapter of Shmuel Aleph, Samuel 1, and it describes Elkanah as somebody who would go and bring his karbanot up to the Mishkan at the time, the tabernacle before the Beit HaMikdash was built. But when he went up, he didn't just care about his own service to God. Wherever he would stop along the route or the way, he would say to people, you know where I'm going? Come along with me. Join me on my mission. I want you too to have the experience of being in this holy place in the Makom HaMikdash or the Makom HaMishkan. And each time that he went, he would go in a different route in order to make sure that others could benefit from the same wonderful, inspiring spiritual experience that he was going to have. In this way, we have a similar commandment with Hakel. It's not just about you getting there, but you are active in making sure that everybody gathers together. It's not just about you going yourself to achieve your purpose and mission, but we must all be active gatherers. It's a command to look out for others to join. Hakel and Matan Torah and the giving of the Torah are similar, as the Rambam points out. Clearly, they both share the goal of Torah being taught. But it's also true that both of them, Hakel and Matan Torah, were predicated on achdut. We're taught that at the giving of the Torah at Sinai, the Pasuk tells us, Vayichan sham Yisrael neged hahar. And they camped in singular, opposite the mountain. Rashi quickly notes that it should say Vayachanu, and they camped opposite the mountain in plural. But instead, Rashi teaches us that while there were hundreds of thousands of people camping there opposite the mountain, 
They were there together in unity, with one shared purpose, looking out for each other. Like one person with one heart. Here too we see that theme of hakel. Gather others to go with you. Be there together with unity. Because when the Torah is being taught, that is how the Torah is best received, when we are a united nation. But there's another similarity between Hakel and Matan Torah as well. Both situations teach us an important aspect about sharing Torah, about assimilating Torah, about being inspired by Torah. And that both of them highlight the experience of Hakel and of Matan Torah. The description of Matan Torah earlier in Sefer Devarim, in Parak Dalit Pasuk Tet, tells us, it's not just that you can't forget the words that were taught at Har Sinai, but it's important that you don't forget what your eyes saw, that which you experienced. The Ramban highlights this in his explanation on this Pasuk. And he tells us that God simply could have transmitted the Torah by saying over the rules and regulations that make up the laws, He could have dropped leaflets in order to disseminate the rules, drop the leaflets, everybody goes back to their own tents, to their own spaces, and learns the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts of Torah life. But instead, the giving of the Torah was a dynamic experience. There was thundering, there was lightning, there was booming voices. There were all sorts of things going on. It was an experience that one would never forget not just for the content that was delivered, but for the unbelievable experience of being there together with all of Klal Yisrael. We know that experiential learning is very powerful. We know that from theories of education. We know that from our Pesach Seder, where the mitzvah is sipor yitzias mitzrayim, to use words to tell the story of mitzrayim. But every Seder has experiences whether they're leaning, tasting the bitter herbs, eating the haroses, that are experiential ways where we don't just tell the story, but we look to feel as if we came out of Mitzrayim. We gather together to listen to the Torah at Hakel, not primarily for instructional purposes, because as we pointed out, there are those there, perhaps those who are not educated enough as children, or perhaps as recent converts who may not understand the ins and outs of all of the details of the Torah. But we gather together for the experience, the experience of being at the Makom HaMikdash. It instills us with the awe of Hashem. And it's true today that those of us who have the schus to be in the old city near the Temple Mount, we feel a connection that's sometimes difficult to articulate and certainly isn't prescribed by detailed law. It's true that experience comes from the power of community, seeing all of God's creation united and focused as one, on one mission, on one goal. That is an experience that some of us have seen at a Siam Hashas, perhaps in our own synagogues, when people gather together, all singing and focused on the prayer services. We are commanded together to gather together, ba'achdut, to be inspired, to actively be inspired 
and to gather others in a sense of unity. Once again, we see that it's not just the technical details of the mitzvot that Moshe is emphasizing, but with this second to last mitzvah, he's highlighting the importance of experiencing mitzvot. Dr. David Pelkovitz often shares some interesting studies about inspiring people towards prayer. And he highlights the fact that the ambiance in the room deeply affects our prayer. That the people in the room, if they're people who we view as spiritual role models, as people who we want to emulate, then we will automatically find ourselves in a better mindset for prayer. This is an important thing for teachers and parents to remember. The power of being role models is so incredibly essential for our children's learning and to help keep the Mesora alive. The Parsha includes a final mitzvah that is the writing of a Sefer Torah. For each person to write a Sefer Torah for themselves so that they can know the laws and the details of the Torah. Today, many say that if one is not able to write a Sefer Torah for himself, that the purchasing of Jewish books of Svarim so that you can learn Torah can be a fulfillment of this particular mitzvah. The coupling of these two final mitzvot, the hakel, the gathering together experientially to hear the Torah, whether one understands it fully or not, together with the last mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah in order to learn it and to be able to better understand its details, reminds us that the details of the mitzvot as written in the Sefer Torah are essential, but the experience of Jewish life, the atmosphere in our homes and synagogues, as we gather together for ceremonies and services, the warmth and attention with which we connect as a community are integral parts of serving Hashem with joy and love and transmitting the tradition to the next generation. As the Navi Hoshea taught, May we take these lessons of Sefer Javarim, of the power of transmitting the Torah experientially and through the teachings and the pedagogy of teaching the details of Torah and use them to bring us closer to Hashem and His Torah. Thank you for studying together with the OU Women's Initiative.